Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. just like to welcome up us, Pastor Steve Nyland. He's just going to share uh, the word with us this morning. So let's just give Steve a warm welcome. Oh, man. So, I'm going to grab my stool real quick. Sorry. It's all good. Bridge Church, how are we doing this morning? Are we doing good? Man, it's so good to be back. I was actually here um, a, a little over a year and a half ago when... Um, we kind of introduced the idea to the church that we were going to plant a church in South Minneapolis, my family and I, and uh, we did it, and we're a little over a year and a half in, and uh, we just wanted to celebrate with you because I was talking to Chris, and how was Easter? There's those friends that are in ministry that you talk to every week, or try and talk to, and I talked to Chris, and I was like, how was Easter? And he goes, man, you wouldn't even believe what God did over the weekend. I mean, we were celebrating Friday. We were celebrating Saturday with the egg hunt. We were celebrating Sunday with lives that were changed. And we were so excited that in South Minneapolis, our little year and a half church plant, we had over 125 people in service. We had probably about 15 or 20 kids throughout our whole kids ministry. We had five people make decisions for Jesus in the main service. And we had seven children make Jesus their forever friend in our kids ministry. And so we were just rejoicing with you guys. And I just want to say that I love this church. I know that uh, you're supposed to say that as the guest speaker. You're supposed to say all those nice things. And that and they love your church. I love your pastor. But there's there is genuine joy and love in my heart for this place. This is a very special uh, place for us. Um, and I'll explain the, the meatball sub thing in a second. Because um, it's awful. Um, but uh, but just there's, you know, I sat in uh, in church planners training and Pastor Chris is my table leader. And there's certain people that you know when you sit down at a table with, you're like, we're going to be friends. And it's not going to be one of those, we're going to be friends for the week. And like, yeah, we'll call and we'll talk and we'll text. But it's kind of like, these are going to be, this is going to be a friendship that goes the distance. And, and I love your pastor. I hope you love your pastor. I hope you love your church because I love your church. And, uh, and I hope you love your city because I mean, you, you're supposed to love your city. I love my city, but hopefully you love your city. And I'm just really honored uh, to have the opportunity to uh, to, to to share this morning. I'm, I'm, I pastor a church called Motion City Church in South Minneapolis, and uh, and I'm going to pray, then I'm going to tell the meatball sub story, and then we're going to get into it. So Heavenly Father, we uh, God, just all around, God, we're just grateful that you are who you say you are. God, none of us are strong enough, none of us are smart enough, none of us are skilled enough to save ourselves. And God, you knew that. And you're not a God who is angry. You're not a God who is condemning, but you're a God who's compassionate and you're a God who's loving. And because of that, you send Jesus. And so God, in this place, we are after lifting up and glorifying one name, and that is the name of Jesus. So God, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, speak in this place. We are available to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So a little over a year and a half ago, came and got to share, um, about Motion City Church, and it was great. And Pastor Chris is like, here, we're going to go out to lunch. We're going to take you to the nicest restaurant we have. Subway. And I'm a huge Subway fan, so that was fine. Like, you could have you could have Ruth Chris Steakhouse and Subway. I'm going to go to Subway because there's nothing better than a delicious meatball sub uh, or a cold cut tree. I love it. I don't know what it is about. I just love Subway. And uh, and so we go to we go to Subway and it's, it's me and Pastor Chris and my dad was here and then, uh, Pastor Matt and Kristen went, went before 
Kristen had two kids. She was pregnant with the first one the last time I was here. So, you know, the church grows in multiple ways, and they had much more fun doing it that way. Um, but, uh, um, but so we went to Subway, and it was great, and it was a wonderful conversation. And again, the meatball sub, it was delicious. It never is not delicious. It's always fantastic. And so we go home, and it's just been a great day. And I'm sleeping in the car, and I'm just waking up. And just, I'm such a high because I got to spend the, the day with you guys. And I got to spend the day with Chris and Matt and Kristen. And all of a sudden, I go to sleep, and everything's great. And I wake up the next morning, and I'm just, like, kind of feeling weird. And... I kind of was like sitting with my daughter, my, my oldest Taylor, and on, on the couch, and I was getting ready to go to work. And I, at the time, I was interim youth pastoring at the church I grew up in, and and I kind of was sitting up, and I hadn't thrown up since like fifth grade, and all of a sudden I'm sitting, and I'm like, "Am I gonna throw up?" And I'm like, "No, that doesn't happen to grown-ups. We don't throw. We don't really. I, that doesn't happen to me. I've, I haven't been sick in years and years and years. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting with my daughter. And I kind of feel like, "Am I gonna throw up?" And I'm like, no, that doesn't happen. I'm not going to get in. And all of a sudden, I was like, nope, I think I'm going to throw up. And I set my daughter down, and I went up, and for 30 minutes, just puked my guts out. And then walked back to bed and slept for 14 hours, and then intermittently throughout that, threw up. But the thing that I was most concerned about is in the middle of throwing up, I had to call Chris. I'm like, is Kristen okay? <laughs> like, because I'm dying and I want to make sure that she's not. And he goes, no, let me check with Matt. Nope, Kristen's good. And this is the text that I got. He goes, so continue throwing up. That's your pastor. <laughs> so he's a great friend. But I still love meatball subs. I took a little break, but I'm back on the wagon and it's just fan. It's just good. You know, I mean, I go to the subway here, but I love them all the more. But, uh, but, um, don't boycott subway. It's a great place. But, uh, this morning, we are going to be continuing our series called Energy, and I love the, the topic of the series. I love the, the title. I love what it's all about. I loved listening to the, Pastor Chris's message last week, talking about, um, just as he kicks off this series, talking about the fact that we are dependent on something that we could never deserve or earn, but God gives it to us freely through the person of Jesus, and, and, he, and he allows us to come to him. He allows us to approach him. And he gives us the things that we need, but at the same time, we never knew we needed. And this morning, I want to continue the, the series that Pastor Chris um, started. And Pastor Chris is going to be back next week. I know that he misses you guys like crazy. Um, but I'm just grateful. Are you guys grateful that you have a pastor that rests every now and then? And gets some R&R and I. I added the I because he's at a conference. It's what we pastors do. We are church planners. We, we go to conferences and then tie vacations onto it because we're already out of town. And so he's getting some rest and relaxation and inspiration. And I really believe that he's going to come back. And it, really, I feel this in my spirit that, that you are about to walk into a season that you kind of have a hint. Many of you have a hint in your spirit is coming, but it's going to knock your socks off. Like God is going to show up and I believe that he is going to revolutionize a city and the way that he revolutionizes revolutionizes the city is through the local church. And you guys are a phenomenal local church, so get ready. Because God's about to do something amazing. Get ready. Open up some seats. Add the third service as a normal thing. Because God is going to do something, and he is going to knock your socks off. And I'm just so excited to, to, to witness it. And just FYI, be on Instagram more. Come on. Like, be on Instagram more. i got to follow something. And so be on Instagram. Let me follow you guys through the pictures. But... I don't know about you, but maybe you've had a conversation like this. Maybe you've been a part of conversations like this, and the conversation begins this way. How you doing? Maybe you ever been a part of a conversation like that? How you doing? If you're like me, oftentimes your responses are like this. Man, I'm really worn down. 
man, I am really, I'm really tired. Man, if I just had some more time during the day, man, I really feel like I am burning out. I wish that there was just some more time that I could just get some, some rest. I don't know about you, but I find myself having responses to, to questions like that often. These are my responses. These are the responses that I've had over the last few weeks, the last few months, over the last few years as we've been planting Motion City Church and, and seeing God do what God does. And, and I kind of come to the conclusion that we ultimately live in a culture that pushes our calendars and our commitments and our lives to the limit. We live in a culture that stresses the idea of, of more, of achieve more, of accomplish more, of conquer more, of sign on for more, uh, be a part of more, be invested in more, be, be, be going after more, because if you're not busy, then you're not important. How often do we respond to questions like, how are you doing? Like, to be totally honest, I'm great. There's not a lot going on. I'm well rested. I got a lot of sleep last night. My relationship with my wife and my kids is fantastic. You know, my relationship with my family has never been better. Man, me and Jesus, we are just snapping right now, and it is fantastic. Uh, you know, honestly, for me, I'm a pastor of a church. My answers are usually never like that. It's usually I'm, I'm, I'm really busy. And I'm really tired. If I just had two more hours of the day, then I would do the things that I knew I needed to do. Um, but how many of us can say if God gave us two more hours a day, we wouldn't do the things we needed to do. We would do the things that we want to do. And usually the things that we want to do are usually never the things that we needed. to do. I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> but the reality is, man, we live at a crazy pace as people, don't we? We live at a, a crazy pace. And we live in a crazy culture that demands a crazy pace because oftentimes, how many of us wear the badge of busyness as almost a, a, a validation of who we are as people? I know I do. Man, if, I've, if, if there's not something going on every day or multiple things going on every day, I feel like at a certain point, at a certain level, I'm wasting my life. Because if I was busy, then it would prove to people that I'm important. It would prove to people that the life I'm living is a, li is a life that is worthwhile. That my life is a life to watch because, man, people who, who take days off and people who get rest and people who aren't grinding 24-7, man, those, those, are, those are lazy people. But I got to be busy. I gotta be busy. I gotta be going after the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, and the amazing thing about it is I was in youth ministry for, for a little over 10 years. And the reality is I thought it was simply just an adult issue. But how many of us adults know that, man, sometimes we oppose our crazy lifestyle on our kids. And our kids and our teenagers are living at an unhealthy pace because we're living at an unhealthy pace or maybe we're pushing them to live at an unhealthy pace because, again, we're not good parents unless they're successful. Or we're going to become validated by their successes and so they're going to be successful, so we're going to sign them up for everything. We're going to sign them up for, for, for athletics and we're going to sign them up for drama and we're going to sign them up for AAU sports and then we're going to sign them up for summer because here's the deal. No kid needs three months to rest. They're going to be doing something. They're going to be productive and they're going to spend all Monday through Friday and then the weekends playing basketball, playing baseball, playing soccer because I'm going to get validated as a parent through the successes of my child and I'm going to feel like a failure if my kid fails, but no kid of mine is going to be lazy and rest. And we impose this life on our kids. Man, it was amazing the time in my, as a youth pastor that I, I had students who barely made it to youth group. 
because they were so tied down with the five other things they had to do during the week, not to mention the things that they had to do on the weekend. And we had 12, 13, 14-year-olds on antidepressants because they were so worn down and so beaten down by the pace that they were being expected to live at because it's the pace that their parents lived at. So therefore, we impose our stressed-out, tired lifestyle on our kids. So therefore, our kids are stressed out and our kids are tired, but then their life and their stressed-outness and their tiredness imposes on our stressed-out and tiredness, and we get stressed out and more tired because they're stressed out and tired when it started when we were being the ones who were stressed out and tired in the first place. And I just had to ask myself a question. Is there more to life than being stressed out and tired? Is there more to this existence than simply getting by? Is there more to this existence than simply living life instead of living the life that Jesus promised us that in him we would have life and have it abundantly? Is there more to this life than simply the grind? Is there more to this life than the schedule? Is there more to this life than the calendar? Is there more to this life than work? Is there more to this life than, and I'm going to let you fill in the blank. Well, the reality is we know the answer is yes. But I'm going to tell you the answer that you're telling yourself, but you're not even believing it yourself because your life is that life. Yes, there is more to this life than being stressed out and tired all the time. And this morning, I I love the topic of energy, but the reality is none of us are going to have the energy to do the things that God would call us to do if we don't stop ignoring the great one of the greatest commandments that God ever gave us as people, and that is the commandment to rest. We can manipulate energy, and we can fake it till we make it till we're nothing more than fakes. But God wants more for you. And God wants more for your kids. And God wants more for me. And God wants more for my kids. And so I love these ten suggestions that God gives us in the book of Exodus. And I love the suggestion that he gives us that we're supposed to designate a day to rest. And, I, and, and the reason I call them suggestions is because we, we take this one as a suggestion. Not as a command. God has created and he has purposed us and he's created us to work, and he's created us to work hard. I'm not, I'm not neglecting that. Like, we're supposed to work. Guys, it's our, it's our, it's our response to our Genesis 3 moment when sin entered the world, that we were going to be men who led our families, who stressed out over our families, who gave God our families and trusted that he knows more and knows what's best for them than we do, but our, our, our curse was this work. And so work is a normal part of life, and it should be. Um, we're not created to be lazy. We're created to be productive. But we're also created to, to rest. That's our reward for the work. In the book of Exodus, as, as Moses is, is reiterating um, God's example, it says, you know, six days you're going to toil and labor, but on the seventh day you're going to rest. You're going to designate a day as holy. You're going to designate a day, I like to call it untouched, my untouched that my phone doesn't get me, my email doesn't get me, um, a honey to-do list doesn't get me, but I just have a moment where I just get to be, and I get to recharge, and I get to replenish. And oftentimes that, that involves me spending time with my kids, which, you know, sometimes feels like work, but then I look back and it's like, man, God, you've given me these, these two beautiful girls. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And you've given me these girls on loan for a certain amount of time, so would you allow me to use my time wisely? 
and in my rest time, rest with them. Um, but the reality is we've been created to work. I don't want, I don't want to skip over that. But we've also been created just as much as we've been, we've been created to work, we've been created to rest. And this morning, I just want to give you two ways that we have been created and purposed to rest. And if you're a note taker, you're going to love me because I got two. And so you can just write one and two. And if you're not a note taker and you're a podcast listener and you're ignoring everything I say, but you're going to follow up with it whenever the podcast is up, just feel free to keep ignoring me and we'll have a great time. Um, but there are two ways that we have been created to rest, that God has created us to rest. And the first way is that we have been created by God to rest, number one, physically. We have been created to rest physically. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1 through verse 3, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, So the creation of the heavens and of the earth and everything in them was completed. God had gotten done being the artist that he is, creating the, the heavens and the earth and, and, and defining what is night and what is day and what is land and what is sea and distinguishing which animals were going to live in which, which area of the world. Are there going to be some that live in the water? Are there going to be some that live in the sky? Are there going to be some that wish they lived in the water and in the sky but only chilled on land because, you know, they're, they're lizards. And, uh, and God is in the midst of making all of this. He makes human beings, and, and, and as human beings, we're the only things that God created where the breath of God exists in us for life. That's why the Bible says that we were created in God's image because it took a part of God to breathe life and purpose and, and expectancy and all these things into us. And so when, when, when God created us, he looked at everything that he created. He said, it's good. It's exactly how I wanted it. There's nothing about what I've done that I wouldn't do differently. This is exactly how I've wanted it. I've wanted it to be, and these are the people, and this is the species in which I'm going to have relationship with because a part of me has become a part of them. And I think it's amazing because it, we're, we're talking about God. And I, and I use the word to define God that He is limitless and that He is borderless. And when I think about the limitlessness and the borderlessness of God, I can't even fully comprehend it because my mind all of a sudden goes, well, at some point there's gonna be an end. There's gonna be an, there's a, there's a beginning to time and there is an end of time, but we serve a God who is beyond the beginning and ends of everything. And so my, understanding of this limitless God is limited because my mind can only comprehend a certain amount of limitlessness until I hit a limit. But God spans beyond that. It's amazing. He existed before time was even a concept. He existed before there was galaxies and planets and solar systems and stars. He existed beyond all of that. And, and, and before everything existed, there was simply Him. And when everything is gone and everything has fallen away and everything goes back to the way that it once was into ultimate nothingness, He will still be. This is the God we're talking about. This is the God that we worship. This is the God who sent His one and only Son to die for you and for me who would give what was most precious for who was most rebellious. This is that God that we're talking about. And he works for six days. And what does he do on the seventh? He rests. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested. 
from all of his work in creation. Now, here's the deal. I'll just say this about me. I'm not going to die on the hill that Sunday is the seventh day. I'm not. The reality is the weekend uh, was created between um, between uh, Catholics and um, Protestants because they had the, they would die on the hill as to which day was the seventh, was it Saturday, was it Sunday, and that's actually why you have a two-day weekend. So thank you, Protestants and Catholics, for not getting along. Um, but... That's why we have two-day weekends, because one was holy to one and the other was holy to not. That's why we, as, as evangelicals, as Protestants, we, 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 exi- we had come to church mainly on Sundays. Um, because this is kind of definitive, determined by somebody else, this is our seventh day. And I'm not going to die on the hill that Saturday or Sunday is the seventh day. Like, here's the deal. If you grind Thursday through Tuesday and Wednesday's your seventh day, then Wednesday's your seventh day. I don't care. And honestly, I don't think God cares. I think what God cares most about is that you take him at his word, that you, as a finite, limited, frail human being, need the rest that he exemplified. So when God takes a rest, and when God works and grinds for six days, creating, let's be honest, way more than we could ever create in six days. You know what I mean? Like, way more. Like, he creates life and species and atmospheres. And I'm just like, man, I painted this one house, and it was crazy. Man, like, four different colors of paint. So much tape. God's like, um, mammals. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of one of those things that's just like, ah, sorry, God. Um, but, you know, um, but... The fact of the matter is, God doesn't need the rest. Because he's God. But the amazing thing about God is he's a great leader. And he exemplifies maybe what he doesn't need, but what he knows the people who follow him do. And so on the seventh day, God rests. He takes a breather. He sits. He enjoys a... I mean, I'm assuming God's like me, so he enjoys a cup of coffee. Because I like coffee. And if God's not a coffee guy, this whole relationship changes. But I'm assuming he's a coffee guy. But he sits down and he has a cup of coffee. And he enjoys the process of getting his kids ready for school. And he enjoys the the small conversations. He purposes us to enjoy the small conversations that we have with our husbands or with our wives. And enjoys the relationship because... Man, how many of us, I mean, I've been married almost seven years, and and my marriage relationship has turned into be a lot more of a working relationship than it did a romantic relationship when I first got married. Well, there's work that goes along with that marriage relationship. I'm not saying grind it six days and rest on the seventh and just let everything happen, but it's like, man, there's work that comes along with life. If we're we're honest with ourselves, that happens. But there's the seventh day, the seventh day moment where God rests physically. Because he's grinded for six days physically. And I think if we were to get this glimpse of God now, if we were first introduced to the person of God, first introduced to the, to the Holy Scriptures, first introduced to the idea that, that God was the creator and author of all things, and all of a sudden in our 21st century culture we would read this and be like, and on the seventh day he rested? How lazy is God? I mean, 24 unproductive hours. Really? Like, you could have been doing something. I mean, I maybe recharged for the morning, but man, you got a whole afternoon. You got a whole evening. You mean he shut off his iPhone? He's not getting emails. He's not checking Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. He's just resting? How lazy is this guy? A whole day. But 
the idea, again, is God's the greatest leader. And it's not that he needs what we need, but he exemplifies for us what we need. And if God rested, let me just ask you a question. Are you bigger than God? Can you go harder than God? Can you do more than God? Are you limitless in the way God is limitless? Are you are you exceeding in energy and abundance and purpose like God is exceeding in abundance and energy and purpose? Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired right now. My two-year-old didn't sleep last night. Christian, you understand that. Not two, that cutie, Caleb. I'm tired right now. I was tired at six when my alarm went off. I was tired driving here, which is why I stopped at Caribou, because I'm going to manipulate some kind of energy to get me through, you know, through the road most of the morning that I have a certain sense of energy and collectiveness. And sometimes just looking cool with a coffee cup is always a good thing. But God is modeling for us the fact that we were never intended to push ourselves as hard as culture tells us that we need to push ourselves. Because again, if I'm not pushing and if I'm not grinding, if I'm not accomplishing, if I'm not succeeding, if I'm not trying, if I'm not doing something every, and I'm, and I'm not just going to do my job, I'm going to pick up side jobs and I'm going to, I'm going to pastor my church down in South Minneapolis, but then I'm going to paint four days out of the week because I have to make money to support my church planning habit. And, then I'm going to, on top of that, then I'm going to find side jobs. I'm going to paint probably from 10 p.m. to maybe like 3 a.m. because that's what I got to do because, you know, my kids need the things that kids need, you know. My wife needs nice things because I have to keep convincing her that she married me for the right reasons. And, and that was a joke. Relax, people. Come on. Um, but there's this moment where I, I find myself in the busyness of my life because here's the reality. Let me let me share this first. The reality is every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Every time you say yes to someone else, you're saying no to someone else. And if, if, if this is a place where we get to be honest, I hope this is a place that we get to be honest, because I'm going to be really honest. It may never get me a chance to come back here, but I'm just going to be honest. Because if this is my last time, let's just go out on a bang. Um, oftentimes the things and the people that I say yes to lead me to say no to the things and the people that are actually most important. It's amazing how quick I'll take a side job at the sake of my kids. It's amazing how I'll say yes to something and say, you know what, babe, we'll go out for our anniversary the next night. Because that's happening. And in the process of saying yes to good things, I say no to the most important things. Because every time you say yes, every time you add something to your calendar that maybe doesn't need to be there, every time you say yes to something or someone that in light of where your life is at right now, it's not a must, it's a could, Every time we say yes to, honestly, sometimes the most trivial, unimportant things, we ultimately say no to the things that are way more important in our lives. And to, if I'm going to be honest, once again, that is usually always my wife and my kids. And if I'm the only guy in this room that is like that, just pray for my wife. But I'm just going to be honest and say I'm probably not. When my wife says yes to certain things, there are moments when she is saying no to my kids and to me. 
That's am- it's amazing how upset I get at her, but I don't get upset at myself, and I do the exact same thing. And if my wife is the only wife in the room that does that, then you just pray for me. But I'll just be honest, I'm probably not the only one with a wife that does that. Because our culture is crazy. A culture, we, we, we've established ourselves to be a culture of just calendar-driven lunatics. And we call it normal. We call it, well, this is just how life is supposed to be. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, we've been created to work, but we have been purposed and created, more importantly, to rest because in the rest, we experience the joys of life in the margin, in the breaths. We experience the beauty that God has bestowed upon us. I get to see my kids off to school. I get to see my two-year-old daughter dance like a ballerina because apparently that's what she does all morning, but I'm gone most mornings. And so on those days when I designate and put in my calendar to rest, I get to witness that. I get to witness the way that she smiles at me because I'm home. I get to see the relaxed look in my wife's eye as opposed to coming home at six or seven and seeing her stressed out and hate everything, including me, because she's just had a hard day. I get to see the loving look in my wife's eye. I had to say no to a lot of things to designate that day as holy and distinguished, but to be totally honest, the things that I would have said yes to don't pale in comparison to a good morning kiss from my wife or a smile from my two-year-old or the opportunity to drive my five, drop my five-year-old off at kindergarten. I would cancel everything for those three moments. Man, in a lot of my life, I've missed it. Because we've been purposed to rest physically, but we take it from God as a suggestion, not a commandment. We've been created, and we need to rest physically. Put it on the calendar, do what you want to do, find time to rest. Point number two is this, we've also been created by God to rest spiritually. Do you know sometimes the most spiritual, God-honoring, Christ-following thing you can do is nothing? Is nothing. Sometimes that honors God in a way that nothing else could. Is simply resting. Because, man, here's the deal. I pray a lot. I pray for the people in my church. I pray for the people in my city. I pray for government leaders. I pray for your church. I pray for your pastor. I pray for my friends who planted churches in the same time that we planted churches, and I pray for them. I pray for their communities. I pray for the needs of the people in my life and my family and my relatives and my friends who don't know Jesus because I know that if their life were to end now, they would they would spend eternal separation between God, and they would spend it in hell because hell is a real place and heaven is a real place, and, 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 and Jesus has the power to take people's trajectories from hell towards heaven, but the reality is that's a reality to me. That's not a reality. So I spend time praying. I spend time preparing messages. I spend time reading the Bible, not as my source, but as my study guide oftentimes. And I spend time preparing things and being creative and planning, uh, doing planning center stuff. And then, and then sometimes when I have to lead worship on top of preaching, I have to plan music and I have to do all these things. And I have to take my daughter to dance class on Saturday because that's like a two and a half hour commitment. And then I got to come home and then I got to do the honeydew list because I got to wrap the twigs that we just cut off from the bushes because that has to get done today. And then I have to tie on all these things and my list keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And then all of a sudden Sunday comes and I got to get ready for church. I got to go pick up the trailer. I got to drop the trailer off. We got to unload the trailer. We got to set everything up. We got to tear everything down. We got to have a service. We got to do all these things. And all of a sudden it's like it's Monday again. It's like, you know what? I should probably pick up that second job. I should probably pick up the side job because I got to make money because I got to get the people that, in my life the things that they want. I got to get my wife the things that she knows so she convinces that I continue to convince her that she needs to be married to me because that's a joke. That's the same as I told last time. So that's funny. And so, 
And then all of a sudden, Monday's gone. Tuesday, I get up at 6 in the morning because I've got to be on the job site at 7. I've got to paint all day, and I paint till 6 or 7 o'clock at night, and then I have to go home, and then everybody hates me because I'm late because my wife hasn't had any help all day, and she wants to just take a break, but my kids are crazy, and they're hyped up on whatever my wife bribed them with that day. And then I go to sleep, and it's 11.30, probably midnight. But you know what the reality is? I probably shouldn't go to sleep because i got to probably get a message ready for Sunday because we got to do church every week. It's a weekly thing. I never knew that when I got into this thing. But every Sunday, people show up, and they expect me to say something. And uh, and they expect things to be in order. So, you know, I should probably do that. So I'm going to get out of bed at midnight. I'm going to probably work till 2.30 in the morning. And I'm going to wake up at 6 to be on the job site at 7. I'm basically going to repeat that process for the rest of the week until it's Monday again. And all of a sudden, I'm like, why the heck am I so tired? And God... Why don't I feel your presence the way that I know your presence is there to be felt? I should be an auctioneer. So yeah, don't, don't offer me side jobs, Mr. Guitar Player Man. Come on. I'm bearing my soul and you're giving me job options. Come on, bro. What was I talking? Jesus. Okay, let's talk about Jesus. (laughs) But we we celebrated Easter last week. It's the day where the separation between God and man became, it it was destroyed. We have an ultimate connection between God and the Father. The other thing I love about Easter is that Easter is actually not about Jesus. It's about Jesus making a way to to the Father. And we celebrated that last week. That we have a, we can have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. The author of all things. Through his son Jesus Christ. So Jesus becomes more than a savior and Lord. He becomes like a brother. He becomes a sibling. A sibling savior like he was for James. And we have these opportunities to have a direct connection. So in these moments of just overwhelming life, we, we have access to God. But isn't it amazing sometimes how we look at that connection that we have with God, the opportunity to take spiritual rest? We often look to God as a last resort as opposed to a first response. And the reality is in this room, I would be stupid to think that there's not situations going on in each and every one of your lives that feel bigger than that there's circumstances and situations in your life that seem so overwhelming, that seem so just heart-crushing, maybe you've been trying to get pregnant for years and nothing seems to work and you have to continue to celebrate. Baby shower after baby shower. You're like, God, why haven't you answered this for us yet? Maybe you're in the process of going through a divorce. I never planned on getting divorced, God. This was supposed to be forever. What happened? It seems so much bigger than you. It seems so much, so overwhelming that maybe you've got a kid or kids who are so far from God, your heart just burdens and you stay up all night just hoping that you're not going to get that phone call, that they missed it. And they're going to have to spend an eternity separate from God. You stay up all night just pleading and begging with God. It seems so big and it seems so overwhelming. And it just seems like it's no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you seek, no matter how much you try and try and try and try and try and encourage and encourage and speak into and speak into and speak into, it gets nowhere. God has an answer for that. It's called rest. 
Sometimes running to God in moments of rest should be our first response, but how many of us really do treat it like a last resort? Man, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I failed and I failed and I failed. And because I failed, I tried and I tried and I tried. And I failed and I failed and I failed. And because I failed, I try and I try and I try. I failed and I failed. So after however many times you go through that cycle, for me it's about 1,734,000. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, maybe I should go to God. Because maybe he's big enough to deal with this problem that's way bigger than me. Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 29 says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me. Just come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 28, says this, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Jeremiah 31.25 says this. Jeremiah, The prophet Jeremiah speaking to the people of Israel. He says, for I have given uh, God says, I have given rest to the weary and joy to the sorrowing. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored in every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. Isn't it amazing that the way that people will designate the honor that God has is if we first are still. of a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And as a parent, I know when they need rest. It's kind of this like little sensor that God gives you when you become a kid or become a parent. You don't have it when you're a kid. That's why you have to become a parent to get it. Um, but I have this moment where I'm like, hey, you're kind of freaking out at an unrealistic pace. You're kind of an emotional terrorist right now. You probably need to rest. And you're like, he would never say that to my kid. I said it four times this weekend to both my kids. You're kind of an emotional terrorist right now. You are emotional ISIS in my life right now, and you need to chillax. But I have this sense. I can see into my kids. I'm like, you know what? You need some time to rest. And here's the deal. God is a good father. And sometimes, like, I have to make my kids rest. Sometimes God brings fast-talking lunatics from South Minneapolis to force his children to rest. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to take the next few minutes. And as best you can, I want you to simply acknowledge that there are situations going on in your life. I want you to acknowledge that some of them are bigger than you. And I want you to just, as best you can, just push them to the side focusing our eyes on Jesus. Focusing our eyes on Dad. And in the next few moments, I want us to get rest, both physically, because you don't have to do anything right now, and spiritually. Allow Him to minister to you and to bring you spiritual rest. For some of you, this may be the most awkward, uncomfortable thing ever, and I'll just be totally honest, I don't care. I don't care. 
Because God has purposed for us to work. And He's purposed for us to rest. And this morning, we're just going to find a few moments in the presence of God. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. We're going to allow His presence to wash over us. To speak in ways that only He can speak. To minister in ways that only He can minister. And we're just going to rest. And so for the next few moments, let's rest. You can shut your eyes. Down, you can do whatever you want, but let's just for the next few minutes, maybe a minute, minute and a half, let's just find a rest. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.